What's up, bitches? I'm Gaia. And I'm Nita. And this is Bitch Why. Our podcast where we talk about all the things we like and dislike and why anyone would make them. Let's start with some snacks. Snacks are things that we're doing during the week that are giving us joy and life and happiness. Nita, what are you snacking on this week? I talked about this book, Attachments by Rainbow Rowell, and it truly was such a good escape from reality and it kind of helped me just come to terms with like the fact that sometimes art doesn't have to be life-changing to be good um it's just a, a sweet little romp and I just needed it to like get out of my head and I could like go back into the real world later um we love a romp we love a romp that was all I needed I was like I just need to sit down with some chiclet and like not think about the world for like an hour and I read it in like a day it was just a good break so delightful i want to feel joy again it was like a dumb straight romantic novel straight mm. it was really straight but i was like you know what this is fine you know it's what fine. i appreciate your open-mindedness i yeah i'm not heterophobic i am <laughs> okay Gaia, <laughs> what are you snacking on okay so over the past couple days i've been dismantling old shirts that i don't wear anymore and then the other day, I took apart my sewing machine. Well, okay, I taught myself how to sew, and I was doing it badly, so I took it apart, and I think I broke it, but then I fixed what I probably broke, and and I sewed a bunch of masks and a little bag, and I'm really proud of myself. I'm so proud of you. Thank you. That's what you were doing when we were on the Zoom call last night with our friends. Yeah, I was little, yeah. I was making pineapple mask, pineapple mask. You're like, Catherine, pleats? Pleats? I, I don't know how it works still. I like still don't um, know how to sew. Let it be known that I don't know how to sew. I only know how to sew um and tailor clothes to myself, but not anyone else. Hmm. Which I guess is fine. Well, I think it was like a piece of character growth, because now I know how to sew. And it was also just fun. I, it was a good snack. It was a tasty little morsel. So I just, like, turned on TikTok compilations. It's nice to just work on a medium that you normally don't have experience with. Yeah, like, I don't know. To say that I was working with a medium is, like, akin <laughs> to saying, like, like a first grader is using, like, crayons as their, like, medium of choice in their artistic awakening. I've seen people on TikTok make, like, beautiful art with, like, crayons. The crayons wasn't the important part of that comparison but rather the like small child does not know how to do it yet right this is your baby handwriting version of your sewing journey yeah maybe one day i'll be good at sewing yeah and then your your sewing will be at calligraphy levels yes yes i like googled this like tutorial for how to make a little bag and it was like super beginner very easy and i was not good at it because i can't sew in a straight line because i'm heterophobic anyway yeah, let me give you a rundown of how our episodes work. This episode is made up of four parts. Bitch what? An introduction to what we're talking about. Bitch how? A technical rundown of how our thing succeeds and fails as a piece of art. Um, bitch time. Three minutes of our unintelligent, unfiltered, uncritical feelings. And finally, bitch why? A sum up of the implications and why all of this matters. And the bitch meter, which is our little diversity score meter that we learned math. Just for you, we learn math. So, first segment is Bitch What, uh, where we describe what the thing is. We 
are covering Jojo Rabbit, one of my favorite movies ever. This isn't the third time we've attempted to record. This has been a journey. The first time, we were in my car, and it was hot. Yes. And I thought I was gonna die. Yeah, and we also had, like, planned the episode right before, and then we both were like, do you need a break? I need a break. And we took, like, a five-hour break. And that was good, but then we came back and we were mean to each other. We were really mean. We just had like a, it was two hours long, so it was so, so long, long and we talked in circles. Um, full disclosure, this is the reason why Guy and I wanted to start a podcast because we had in like back in January or something, like a three hour long conversation about this movie uh, because I came into it not liking it. And we'll talk about our experiences with how we found this film, but I didn't like it at all. And then Gaia, through the course of three hours, like, got me on board. And now I, like, really do love this movie. So <laughs> that was, like, the, imp- the impetus? Is that the right word? The impetus. That's a good word. Thank you. That was the impetus for, for starting a podcast. So in, in an endeavor to try to recreate that conversation... We just ended up fighting again. <laughs> we were just mean to each other. It was sad. We made we up mean. by the end of the podcast. It was a whole journey. It was a journey. We made up by the end of the podcast and decided that we would get a tattoo of one of the quotes from the end of the film. So stick around to figure out what we're going to get tattooed from this film. How did you first come across Jojo Rabbit? So this is the the fundamental difference between you and I is I'm from Southern California, if you couldn't tell from my voice. And everything about you. I'm super into, like, the Academy Awards, which I know is, like, an institutional... There's problems with the Oscars, but we'll we'll do an episode about that one day. But I, like, I frequent, like, the movie theaters that show all the Oscar movies. I will watch every single one so I can win all the ballots and also just, like, have an opinion on, like... apparently what are what we deem the like year's most important movies so jojo rabbit was like on the circuit it won a bunch of awards uh won like the audience award at the toronto film festival so it was already on my radar i saw it with my mom um the first time i ever saw it and we actually had had a fight before we saw this movie so we were both in like a sour mood which i'm sure played into how i came out of this movie and it was also like a theater full of like old white people so no one laughed at anything at all old white people aren't allowed to laugh and i just had a bad time how did you come across this movie guy (laughs) a girl who i had a crush on told me to watch it and so i did and you watched it a a week a week so a girl that i liked was like this is like one of my favorite movies that just came out and i was like oh (laughs) i guess i'll watch it and then what happened was it wasn't out yet and I couldn't go to theaters. That was back when you could go to movie theaters. Uh, I'm going to make a playlist called 2020 Just Keeps Twisting the Knife and it's going to be filled with bangers. All right, we'll tweet it on our... On follow our, us at Bitch Why Podcast on Twitter and Instagram. We'll post it. I watched it on this, like... You know how, like, the, the further away you get from the release, the, like, l- less sketchy, the websites that are legally hosted? Oh, yeah, it? for sure, yeah. So I was, like, close to the release. So Mm -hmm. the the website I watched it on, it was, like, it had this thing where, like, every, like, 20 minutes or so, less than that, like, 10 minutes, like, a pinata 
would like descend from the screen and like try to like entice me to this like gambling website and like spit coins all over the scene so like during like key moments which spoiler alert um if you haven't seen jojo rabbit and want to stop listening now um when the mom dies the the pinata ascended (laughs) ascended descended um it was so great and then i proceeded to see it like way more than is like normal to see i actually like can't really watch it anymore because i saw a lot just kind of coincidentally when it first came out it's still like one of my favorite movies it's really delightful i love it a lot but shall shall i give us a breakdown yes give us a breakdown of this movie jojo rabbit was written and directed by taika waititi and also co-stars taika waititi based on the novel caging skies by christine lunin which you started to read yeah i started reading it um the first page is breathtaking so it's got a 79 percent on rotten tomatoes which basically like covers the critical sense consensus which is i would say mixed veering toward positive yeah i fully agree it was nominated for six academy awards but it only won best adapted screenplay which is like best production design i don't know i'm like mad about that a little bit once upon a time in hollywood won for production design and hollywood just like loves to jerk itself off on watching itself All they did for production design was they took, like, old Hollywood and they recreated it on the streets of Hollywood so they could film so it looked like the 70s. And, like, all of the people who vote in the Academy were working in Hollywood then. And they were like, oh, look. They spontaneously orgasm. Exactly. But this movie is really beautiful and visually striking and should have won for production design. And that's on period. Let's let's get into a synopsis. Jojo Rabbit is the story of a fanatical 10-year-old Hitler youth named Jojo, whose best friend is his imaginary projection of Hitler. He earns the nickname Jojo Rabbit when he chooses not to kill a rabbit at the behest of some kids at Hitler camp. After being injured in a grenade accident, he is confined mostly to working at a Nazi office with the jaded Captain K and his home, where he discovers his mother has been harboring a teenage teenage Jewish girl named Elsa in his deceased sister's bedroom. After a rocky start, Jojo and Elsa begin to form a tenuous bond as Jojo begins writing an expose on Jews and he starts falling into little boy puppy love with her. It becomes clear (laughs) that Jojo's mother, Rosie, is not just helping Elsa, but an active member of the resistance and he spots her distributing Free Germany pamphlets through town. One day when Jojo and Elsa are home alone, their house is raided by the Gestapo and Elsa is forced to pose as Jojo's late sister. After a near miss wherein Captain K covers for Elsa fumbling Inga's birthday, um, Jojo goes into town where he discovers Rosie has been captured and hung alongside those dissenting Hitler's regime. In a fit of grief, he attempts to stab Elsa and they are left alone together to mourn the loss of their families. They struggle to survive alone in the stead in the steadily declining late war Germany, and finally the Allies close in to take the city. Jojo learns that Hitler has killed himself and finds himself alone and despondent in the midst of a battle where he ultimately ends up hiding under the shell of a building. When he when he's found in the wake of the battle in Nazi uniform, Captain K saves his life by stripping off his jacket, throwing him on the ground, calling him a dirty Jew. Finally, he returns home where Elsa is hidden in her wall hideout. Frightened that upon 
Finding out that Germany has lost, Elsa will leave him alone with no one. He lies to her about the outcome of the battle, leaving her believing that she will be trapped forever. Realizing his mistake, Jojo claims to have devised a plan with Elsa's, who we will then find out to be late, fiancé to free her. He leads her into the streets, where it is immediately clear that Jojo has lied. She slaps him across the face, and then they dance together in their battle-torn town. Two Heroes by David Bowie, but in German. Mm. Sexy. Okay, now we're going to go into Bitch How. Yes, it's time for Bitch How, which is our time to talk about how how things succeed and fail. That's like our favorite sentence, how it succeeds and fails as a thing. After recording this three times... My issue is mainly, I think, with the marketing because the way, and this is the difference between me and Guy is I, this movie's on my radar. I saw all the marketing. It was marketed as like an anti-hate satire and like a movie for our time. And I think, I don't think that this movie is at its heart a satire because it's more of a coming of age film. Like that's what it is. And it has elements of satire in it, but it is not a satire and it's not anti-hate in the way that we've been using terms like anti-hate and anti-racism right now but it's just the way in which we talk about how those children that grow up steeped in hate can come back from it yeah and it's got the spin of a coming-of-age film and it's not a satire and I think to call it a satire makes you think you're going in to see something very different than what it is and I also think the comedy doesn't really lean towards satire as much as it leans towards like just robbing Hitler of his like posthumous power but not in a way that like comments on fascism just more on like Nazism is bad but also stupid the cornerstone of this movie is that hitler is bad but also stupid or nazis are bad but also stupid i also think like calling it the satire of our time is like clearly wrong and but i think the way it is for our time is in the coming of age aspects that like jojo is like the kind of little kid that a lot of little kids in our time are like turning into and so like in that sense, it's a movie for our time, and not necessarily in the sense that it's like a scathing critique of fascism. No. Which this movie was written in 2015. And then rewritten a little bit, and then came out in 2019. So it's like, you can kind of see the elements of like the way our world is sliding into fascism. Like it's hard not to think about that when you watch this movie. But this movie's not really about fascism. It's more about like, um, the subtle indoctrination of into hate that comes with like day-to-day life in a fascist regime which isn't really critical of fascism it's like if we were making a movie about the flu but we made it about like vomiting that was like kind of a gross metaphor <laughs> if you want a scathing critique of fascism i would look at mel brooks and charlie chaplin's charlie chaplin. the great dicta- dictator so that but unfortunately for this film it whoever and like Taika's not in charge of the marketing um whoever like did that I think it great gave this movie a great disservice and I think I was also just like very jaded on and we talked about like the kinds of people we grew up with um and I was just like thinking of like the teenage boys who who I grew up with who were like definitely uh airing on the cusp of like being a white supremacist but Jojo is 10. 
Um, and like the way hate shows up in a little kid is different. Um, and yeah, he's like, he's on the brink. And I think to try to take a, like a kid who's closer to like the high schoolers we grew up with and then try to pull him back in like a love story, which is what this movie does. I think it would come off as like less innocent and more like predatory. Yeah, it would be gross. It'd be gross. How else do you think this movie succeeds or fails as a thing? We used to disagree on tone a lot because yeah, I think tonally this movie really hits a sweet spot um, of every time it gets too dark, it comes back and pulls back. But every time it gets too um, goofy, it pulls back. I think over the course of the movie, it figures out what it is, which is not bad. I just think that it like takes us on a journey. I also think that like Rebel Wilson... (laughs) (laughs) she is very of the like whenever pitch perfect came out which i think is like 2011 like she's very of that specific time when she was in all those movies doing kind of the same thing and if taika like wrote this in like 2015 like she makes sense in that time but i think she like dates the movie a little bit and i like please keep that rebel wilson character in 2011 like i hate it (laughs) trap rebel wilson in 2011 leave her where she is or or give her like a give her like respectful a, part yes exactly like give her the um melissa mccarthy treatment because she was in that movie um can you ever forgive me and she did a really good job like when will it stop being funny that fat women are fat i see yeah exactly so it feels like it doesn't make sense that this movie does that when it's also trying to be like fuck people who hate other people i think that's actually like a common issue finding people who are like truly intersectional is not as common as finding people who are like staunchly anti-racist or staunchly like anti-anti-semitic it's also it's comedy that's such a comedy trope like that's such a thing that woman is funny because she's fat there's only like one joke about that there's the, like, this body has born 15 children for Germany. <laughs> but it's also just, like, the demeanor of that character. Like, I've seen her do that already. Yeah. Right? And I think that's why it's the I problem was, like... with cats as well. I haven't seen oh, cats. I just God. heard that that's the problem with oh, cats. Oh, you just reminded me she was in Cats. You're welcome. I... What would you do without me? Before I saw Cats, I got really high and drunk. So I was watching... I'm in California, so it's fine legal um but i was crossed like watching cats and it was the craziest experience but because of that i also don't remember a lot of it oh what do you remember um i remember idris elba being like naked but there was no anything down there yeah penis um and i i remember jason derulo dancing and I distinctly remember thinking to myself, thank God there's not that little mark he has during his songs where he's like, Jason Derulo. I was like, so thank God that didn't happen before Do he I started know? singing. Do you know what I'm talking about? I don't know anything at all ex- Cameron, about Jason Derulo or cats. Just Cameron, cut this out. <laughs> Don't cut this out. It's incredible. (laughs) This is the kind of analysis Um, this podcast needs. Anyway, tone. So I think what's really smart about this movie is it, like, 
takes place i know it's a three-act structure um but it takes place for me in like two parts every time i watched it it feels like it's silly and funny and goofy and like wes anderson e until the shoe moment where the mom dies um it's so heartbreaking um, ah. but it because and the pinata because, like, descends from the top and of the, the pinata screen descends. yeah i remember that but it's um it's got this like the innocence of the butterfly or jojo following the butterfly to that moment like it feels like all of the innocence is like drained from the from the movie and then he's like trying to survive and like take care of elsa as well um and then it gets really sad and i think the war moment is still really good they're like just i could have done without like the few silly bits and i'm not counting the gay nazi bit as silly um but i but like just like rebel wilson being in there there was something about that tonally that i didn't need anymore because immediately after like jojo's almost executed by an american soldier and it's like it's like whoa 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 like where are we now and then kicking hitler out the window and then the really lovely ending so like yeah the movie like just that like those last few moments for me just like don't help me get to that great ending even though that great ending feels like the middle ground between crazy comedy everything's ridiculous to the really somber moments like that ending is perfect but that like there's just a few moments and it feels like if there was like one more draft it feels like there was some babies he just didn't want to kill there yeah we we've talked about how we think that the hitler being kicked out of the window was like for the gifability of it all and i do kind of like i like don't i'm not mad at that like that moment doesn't really like hurt the film a lot in my in my, like, viewing of it, like, it's just kind of there, like, you could cut it, and I'd still basically feel the same way, and I appreciate that it's the moment where it feels like Hitler is, like, really bad, and, like, Hitler has, like, gone off the rails. Hitler is really bad. Hot takes. Hot take, Hitler's a bad person. Hitler's bad. Big, um... big news up here on Bitch Why. <laughs> but I think I, I understand what you mean. It just feels like it comes out of, like, a Marvel movie, where he's, like, fuck off Hitler and then like yeah but but Jojo's journey is so much more profound than that yeah so then like I would have and this unfortunately like okay as a critic I can't say like this is what I would have wanted but I think that that moment almost called for something like less Marvel movie and more like coming of age film, which is like, like even yeah. if he had just like left him in the room, the fuck off Hitler moment. Here's like two things that I feel about it. I like it in the sense that I like the general move these days towards punching Nazis. And I think that that's a sexy aspect of like current like activist debate is like, can you punch Nazis? Um, For and sure. I think that's kind of like an interesting nod to that. I don't know if it's on purpose, but I think it's interesting. And so, like, on one hand, I think that's compelling. But then on the other hand, like, to, to, to think that coming out of, like, indoctrination into Nazism is as simple as kicking Hitler yeah. out the window is, like, kind of, it, it's what you're saying. His journey is more significant than that. It's more significant, yeah. His shift and, like, his, like, movement as a character is, like, bigger than kicking Hitler out the window. So, like... While I, like, vibe with kicking Hitler out a window, 
I like think as a writer, I don't know if I would do it. But then as a Hollywood writer, maybe I would. Maybe I'd do anything. Yeah, it felt like it belonged in the it felt like it belonged in that first half, but it wouldn't have happened in the first half. Um, exactly. It I think Elsa had kicked Hitler out the window. (laughs) I would have loved that, but it feels like, yeah, it feels like something. Not that I wanted Jojo to have like a speech. I feel like that would also feel like cheesy. Yeah, kind of like too much for a little kiddo. Right, like he he can't. He, and the the issue with this is that he's so young he can't put all of this into words but but i love like that moment before with hitler like which because because um yorkie i love yorkie yorkie <laughs> yorkie has just told him right before like oh hitler gave up he blew his brains out i think we might have chosen the wrong side um and then hitler shows up to him with like a bullet wound in his head and is screaming at him and has become now almost what real hitler was like like he's yelling in the same way and it's really terrifying and i feel like for that to for that to like resonate with jojo something more like something more that comes from the the place of in his in his thought process of like you're the reason my mom is dead and you're the reason that i am suffering and and germany when he when he tells Elsa like Germany won, we won the war. I think you're right. Where where you're talking about like when he when he says Germany won, he's like not lying because like they did win. They got out of this. Which, by the way, my hot take about that line is oh, when yeah. Jojo says he when he says we won the war, he's talking about him and Elsa. Yeah, and the fact that like the people who are subjugated by the war have won the war, and those people are Germany. I I also think that like. We would have had room for him to have, like, more of a tender moment because they're about to go into that beautiful ending, which is, like, light enough that you would still walk out of the theater feeling like, like, I, like, let out the breath of that movie. Yeah, that's what I'm saying is, like, that whole ending needs to come to the middle ground a little bit faster. And I think, I, I totally understand, like, I write a lot of comedy I do some stand-up comedy. <laughs> but a lot of my comedy also comes from anger. So, like, I completely resonate with Taika. You can feel the anger, like, crackling under this whole film. Like, his anger and his need to just, like, make this movie. Yeah, and I understand that choice. I, I, I just think that it doesn't serve the movie at that time. And, and that was, like, all I kind of had. And, but other than that, I love the tone shift. I just think yeah i just think that like that one moment and and it's not like that that makes it doesn't ruin the movie for me but i do think that i when i came in seeing it i was seeing it from like a okay this is an quote-unquote oscar movie which i have to reckon with my own biases towards like oscar films and like marvel movies which i but i it's not that i think marvel movies couldn't be nominated i just think that like there are movies that are operating on different levels and sometimes Jojo Rabbit lives in, like, comedy land where, like, it's kind of in the same ranks as, like, other comedies that you see that, like, like a Bridesmaids, I guess, sometimes, but not really. Bridesmaids, but about Hitler. (laughs) But about Hitler. Like, but it's at that same level. And then sometimes it's, like, a coming-of-age film, right? Which is more like a boyhood. I didn't like boyhood, but it's more like that. So Ooh, we should review Boyhood. Oh God, I hated Boyhood. Um, 
we'll talk I wish about. that Bowie Hood was good because I like the idea behind oh, it. Oh, I love the idea. And and here's the thing. Here's some hot tea about Hollywood. There's a Twitter thread someone wrote, which was really, really interesting, about Greta Gerwig and Little Women and how sometimes when you're directing a film, like a lot of men go for ways of directing that's very harsh and aggressive. Like with Tarantino, everything is like hard cuts, Edgar Wright hard cuts, like everything is is like that. And it takes the same amount of effort to do something like Little Women, which is much more gentle in its direction. And it kind of lets the characters live and breathe and and take up the space without feeling like there's a hand controlling the direction. But that takes the same amount of effort. You just don't see it. And the Academy, and which is mostly dominated by men, like to award aggressive, look how hard I worked on this thing. Like that kind of um, yeah. mode of working. There should be room in the Academy for those things as well. We just often reward men for being aggressive. <laughs> I just, I also think it's like kind of absurd that like we have a system where we would imagine that one movie is like the best movie of mm-hmm. the year. Maybe Parasite and 1917 were as good as each other. I mean, I think Parasite was better. Or, like, Jojo Rabbit is as good as, like, 1917. Like, I don't think, I don't think, like, the system of being, like, this thing is the, like, highest pinnacle of success is very useful because things succeed in different ways. Exactly. Like, there are things that succeed more. And that that's I think that's part of the reason we use the term succeed and fail as a thing as like our as our um kind of metric for like bitch how because sure. things aren't just like this is a good movie or this is a bad movie this is the best movie or this is not the best movie because movies are good and bad in different ways there are issues with every movie like there's something in every movie that you could find like I'm except sure that Parasite. except for Parasite <laughs> And also think about it, like, when the Academy was formed, there were way less movies coming out. Um, Now we have just, like, Disney's making, like, a hundred movies a year or something crazy. Um, So we're, we're living in a world where there are more movies. There's way more we content. We live in a society. We live in a society. Um, There's so much more content out there. And, and what it is now is it's just, like, a money thing. Like, so because Taika made so much money from Ragnarok, he was able to make this, which was his passion project, you know? So it's also, like, whoever wins, like, now that... You're well, allowed to make art. Now, now you're allowed to make... now Yeah, now you're allowed to make art. So so that's why everyone was, like, gunning for Parasite, because that means that Bong Joon-ho gets to keep making really great movies, and he'll have the funding for, like, the rest of his life. It's hard to be part of a system, like, we are in film tv and theater world and also denounce it but i think that's like kind of the role our generation is playing in like all of these institutions we've grown up just like accepting but um, yeah yeah anyway back to yeah, a little academy setting segue well i actually wanted to mention like something like the the humor thing something that i like want to bring up because i i like i think i agree with you on like i think there are some tonal issues especially during the battle scene yeah so my favorite type of person and type of art is like the kind of art that is like comfortable with its own stupidity mm-hmm. and i appreciate the kind of con- concept that like just because we're making stupid jokes doesn't mean this movie doesn't mean anything and like 
because I and I think thematically it resonates with the movie that like like kind of our biggest like takeaway from the movie is well one of our big takeaways of the movie is Hitler is bad but also stupid and like one of the things that I love about this movie is this movie is great but also stupid and mm, that like mm-hmm. people have people carry a dichotomy of like the ability to act like idiots and act profoundly and act awfully and act um compassionately and so like maybe this is like reading too much into like the concept of like telling stupid jokes in Jojo Rabbit but I think a lot of what the movie is about is like being able to carry those multiple parts within yourself and bring those things to the world so in a way like having these like moments of idiocy within this like shroud of chaos and tragedy is part of like what it means to be a person that I resonate with. Totally. Lindsay Ellis has a really good video on Nazi satire. And this kind, like, this doesn't really relate anymore since we're not really reviewing this movie as a satire. But I think, given, like, the rise of neo Nazism in this country, and, like, there's been a lot of discussion around the ethics of Nazi satire and, like, whether or not putting something up, like, just like the imagery of a swastika is and like having like these things in this movie like does it rob hitler of his posthumous power or does it make it easier and encourage the audience to like not take the holocaust as seriously which i think is like the question every time someone makes nazi satire whether it be the the great dictator or anything mel brooks has written so like and i think i do think you can hold both of these things at once i just think that like my issue in that in the war moments was just like I felt like the movie was asking me to take it seriously here, but then also expected me to, like, laugh at, like, Rebel Wilson. And I really, maybe my whole issue is just with Rebel Wilson. (laughs) Rebel Wilson. Because I don't really have an issue with Yorkie dropping the the cannon or whatever and, like, accidentally blowing up the building because he, because he has, he has a reaction like, oh, shit. Like, and it's, it's. The Rebel Wilson thing is the only time where I'm like, I don't really like yeah. what are you doing here? Exactly. I was like, I didn't need this. Um, but then you have the slow every time slow motion is used in this movie, it's brilliant. Um, but you have like the slow motion of like the women and children of the town taking up arms and you see Jojo's face. He's just absolutely like gobsmacked and he's like, what has happened to my town? And then I think you also have um the issue of of Scarlett Johansson's uh the the issue she brings up of like I just wish that we could all be okay and be able to dance again like comes up here with with that and comes up with I mean in the ending as well of like Germany won in that like everyone is kind of free of this this system Germany won we Germany won, won we won the war but like yeah, I, I think in it's a Rebel world, Wilson. <laughs> it's just Rebel Wilson. But like in in the world where you have like far right movements like saying things like "Hail Trump, Hail Trump," it's disgusting. But like how, yeah, comedy has its limits and its intention that is very important. And and you have parts where like even the characters who are doing the dumb funny stuff, like Captain K, um, shows a lot of disdain for 
for his side he like says that one quote that's like and even though like the war is and i'm told we're doing great even though it doesn't seem like it like yeah that self-aware humor i think just fares better in a movie like this than the like silly jokes towards the end where it's like really asking me to to look at the devastation i and like in that note i kind of wish that the whole end sequence had had the same kind of brilliance of the moment where you have Captain K and Freddie Finkel and they're wearing the costume constructed of pink triangles in a reference to the way gay men were prosecuted during the Holocaust, which to me it is is a great like culmination of the movie because mm-hmm. earlier those costumes were dropped as like totally a joke. He's like, look at these ridiculous at these costumes, cool costumes we're gonna we're wear. Yeah. Like we are weird gay men who make um our nazi costumes like sparkly mm-hmm. um but then in that moment you have the kind of like memory of the comedy of that moment but you are in the middle of the battle a eh? and you also see this um what i find to be brilliant reference um that kind of like encapsulates like the whole of their character and it's not a moment where you are like laughing out loud because it's the moment where you feel the weight of the comedy i guess let's talk about the the gay nazis because this is a i think the only two things that you and i really went in circles was tone and the gay nazis gay nazis and i think my my thing and I'm not going to hold Sam Rockwell to other characters he's played, but he was also in three <laughs> yeah. billboards outside Ebbing, Missouri uh, two years ago. And that he played like a cop who it was implied that he had like beaten up uh, black people <laughs> in their <laughs> town. And then at the end, he gets like a redemption arc because he decides to like help this woman find the murderer and rapist of her daughter. And, like, th- that movie doesn't investigate, like, why he is uh, forgiven, and I hated that movie. I think I was stressed out originally by the, by a, by the imagery of, like, a gay Nazi, and I know that, like, this movie's a comedy. I wasn't, like, I'm offended by the gay Nazi, but I was, like, I think I was just, like, there's not enough, <laughs> I felt like there was, like, not enough room in this movie for them to have, like, the gay Nazi subplot. So we just saw it differently. Like you saw it as like a celebration of queerness and I saw it as like I can never see myself being a part of people that would be able to be straight passing in a moment like that. Yeah. There's like a couple things for me that it like comes down to. Mm-hmm. Um the first being that like I I think I love it. I think because I think it has the perfect amount of like gay men in it. I mm-hmm. think most Holocaust movies skirt gay men. For sure. Like, yeah. they really, like, just don't even touch gay men. And actually, most, like, there's tons of groups of people who are victimized by the Holocaust that this movie doesn't touch on. Right. So, it, it, this, this is not to say that this movie, like, caught, caught everyone. Mm-hmm. But I, I like that they, I like that they did it. I like that my dad, like, saw it and was like, oh, those are, like, gay people in this movie. And that reminds me of the fact that gay people were persecuted in the Holocaust. I also think, um, which you referenced, this sense of, like, that that hatred is is a is a symptom of systems and not just of individual people is kind of like resonated in that moment. I just read How to Be an Anti-Racist, mm. um, which is a delightful book. And one of the things that's brought up in that book is that like 
racism is um, racist policies and that every single like point of racism can be traced back to an intentional like disenfranchisement of people for like personal gain and and those things turn into the systems that turn into our lives and so to like have like the the gay nazi moment like and have him be like kind of disenfranchised like i think it makes me think about like what would it have meant to be gay during world war 2 in germany like what kind of choices would you have to make also like how do you justify those choices to yourself like how do you justify them to the people around you how do you come to terms with that and i like that he's like not fully a good person like he almost turns elsa in like there's a moment he's not necessarily fully redeemable but he's also not necessarily fully evil and i like don't i don't like jive with the the idea like hashtag not all nazis like right like that's dumb but i think like for me it provokes interesting questions and touches on the themes that are what the movie is and also i could kind of see captain k like i don't know if this is like fully like i don't think this is like fully interrogated so i don't i don't want to like put too much weight on this but i could see captain k being what would happen if jojo grew up without ever meeting elsa and like is a person who's not necessarily like intrinsically hateful but never really had like the conscientiousness to like examine his actions and now is like kind of entrenched in a system that is awful and that he doesn't stand for but like like i said like i think there are issues with it but for me like i thought it was a great nod i mean i don't see myself in captain k like i am not no no, no. i didn't <laughs> i didn't think you did i just i just was like that could not i could not i can't relate to someone who allows themselves to be a part of yeah. the problem in such a direct way even yes. though i know that in nazi occupied germany he would have had to be otherwise he probably would have been murdered um so i get it but and i i also think then you have the gestapo which also kind of operate in the same place of like okay well we just get the calls and then we come and we like do the thing and so i think i was so stressed out by like this alleviating of responsibility on a lot of fronts yeah that i was like uh like but i also understand that like tyke is jewish and if he wants to make the movie talk about i just wish like and if he wants to make a movie where there is a nazi who is gay and like doesn't really like being a nazi like that's totally valid um, and then also a Gestapo that's like, well, we get the calls and we have to do it because this is our job. Well, I think and the Gestapo is more clearly painted as... No, they are yeah. definitely... It's with music cues. Like, they become scarier and then they become funny and then they become scary again. I also think the um, Gestapo is, like, the great dividing line of the movie, which, like, the characters are scary and funny at the same time. And then after that, the movie is scary. Yeah, exactly. And so it's well, a nice, after, like, right after... He finds his yeah. mom. Well, right, yeah, because right after the Gestapo, he finds his mom. Yeah. Which also, I, do they know, like, did they kill her and then go visit the house? I imagine that that's what happened. That's awful. Yeah. Yeah, my thing was just about, like, the alleviating of responsibility and, and whether or not that makes it excusable or not. This is the same as the satire paradox, which is, like, does it make it so that we stop 
believing this thing was super serious or does it um punch up at at like these awful terrible people and these institutions so i think you and i were both like circling around the same thing but we've definitely come to like a good common ground which is very Peace. nice yeah and so this peace. is Nita and I's apology recording uh, yes <laughs> <laughs> I want to talk about Elsa this movie's about I Elsa. love her I love her Thomas and Mackenzie's a wonderful actress I feel like she's our little age. kids <sighs> great um and she did that, that and what that have we didn't done? make me nothing. <laughs> nothing we have this podcast <laughs> we have this I love the first moment where you really see that it's, like, from a child's perspective. She's framed as if she's, like, a horror movie uh, villain where she's, like, coming down the stairs and she's doing that thing with, like, her fingers, like, walking down uh, the stairs. And then it, like, cuts and it looks like she's just walking down normally. So you really see that, like, Jojo is kind of an unreliable narrator, which is very uh, cute and funny. Uh, We also talked about, like, Elsa spinning the myth, the the, the mythos the, of Judaism. the rhetoric. Yeah, she spins the rhetoric that like JoJo's told about, and and makes them like beautiful and and like she talks about the mysticism of like surrounding Judaism, and just yeah. the idea that like like if JoJo's gonna think that Jewish people are like magical creatures, like she's like I'm gonna make them epic magicians. Who can read your mind and are awesome and jojo yeah. thinks that like like there's like a couple of great moments where jojo is like well she's like they can read minds and he's like whoa because yeah. i think in the end what he realizes is that jewish people are just people and like that's what's important about them um and like learning to understand that elsa is just a person like she's not like an all powerful all-knowing person and also Mm -hmm. like jewish people are just people but i think it's a cool way to like ring that in i think actually the thesis of the movie is you need to meet someone where they're at yeah yeah that is the thesis of this movie that is this thesis and because because she meets him she knows he's 10 and she's like well i have to appeal to what a 10 year old would would like resonate with I think also it reminds me now of this man, and I don't remember his name, but he's very, very cool. Um, This black man who, like, befriends KKK members and slowly, like, pulls them out of it. There's also a cool organization called No Place for Hate, which is, like, for reform, but that's run by former KKK members. (laughs) Um, Right. Yeah. But this man, he does it on a very individual level, and, and I think there's totally room for that i think also this movie came out before the protests this summer uh against police brutality after george floyd's murder um and i think now we're living in a world where i meeting someone with love and respect and kindness is a big ask it's a big ask and it's like less possible now where we are so so divided um and even in 2019 when this movie came out like to say something like love conquers all is is such a hard thing it's to kind of true it is yeah for sure i think but i think meeting someone where they're at and like because jojo is a little baby boy i don't feel like i can relate this story as much to like full grown ass adults who are already there who like 
understand the the consequences of their actions and like the implications of what they're doing and fully as they're aware of the stuff they do they continue to do it like i can't extend the same uh love and acceptance to those people that i would to someone like jojo who's like a baby boy yeah at the same time as Elsa is able to, like, see Jojo as, like, a little kid and meet him where she's at, she also never, like, ironically, she's not treating him with kids' gloves. Like, she's not, like, oh, you're just a little kid, I'm gonna, like, like let you be a Nazi. She's, no. like, you're a little kid being a Nazi, and that's fucking stupid. Yeah, you're a little kid, you're just a- Oh, yeah, you're, you're a ten-year-old boy who likes dressing up in funny clothes and wants to be a part of a club. Yeah exactly yeah i like that she i like what i love about elsa is she's not i'm not throwing shade at anne frank or anything <laughs> but you she's not canceling anne frank. <laughs> i'm saying elsa elsa doesn't have to be perfect she's not like a goody two-shoes sweet innocent girl she is mean to jojo she pushes him around she also is like take no shit and I may, might do a little harm. Like, yeah. <laughs> because she's, she's like, Jojo, like, please stop. You're so stupid. Also, your mom likes me. So what do you have to say to that? <laughs> yeah. And I, and I love that she doesn't have to, she gets to be flawed as well. And she gets to be, she gets to be a person before she has to be like a saint. Yeah. Figure. Um, I watched a really stellar video essay, which we'll link below. I'm like totally blanking on the name, but we'll definitely link it. And it's incredible. And it was made by a great Jewish creator on YouTube. And one of the things she was talking about was, um, how like a lot of Holocaust movies have, a like Goyim savior complex, which is mm -hmm. this idea that like the non-Jewish characters, um, end up saving the Jewish characters and the Jewish characters are just kind of like wallpaper for their saviorism and i think else and what she said and what i agree with is that elsa is allow is like a character and she's like compelling and fascinating um and and also like i was really excited by the conversations about womanhood that this movie i was just gonna about. say do you want to talk about womanhood i want to yes. talk about womanhood i love okay i used to hate scarlett johansson in this movie I love her performance. I think I hate Scarlett She's Johansson. She's still canceled. A, yeah, she's still canceled. <laughs> but there's something very quiet about her performance. And she gets to really shine in this role in a way that I have not seen her do in a really long time. Um, I think she's been Black Widow for so long. And her character arc of that character has been thrown around so by so many people and i'm like i don't have a sense of who you are as a person or a performer get ready for our marvel episodes <laughs> oh my god but she is so charismatic and so lovely and very funny uh and she yeah the scene she with is, the beard is yeah stellar. with the beard i love that she feels to me like elsa as a grown-up yeah yeah she is like the most interesting parts of what being a parent is like yeah speaking of her being a parent like one of the things i love about the scene where she like loses her temper at jojo and like dresses up as his father is mm -hmm. like like she gets really angry she loses her temper she like finds a way to make amends she's like and and you can see her struggling but you're also seeing her struggling and being like i'm struggling but i need to do the right thing because my kid is like the is the one who's getting hit by me struggling 
um, mm-hmm. which I think is beautiful. I think a lot of like parents in movies don't get to struggle, and if they struggle, that's really like like an immediate ding. Mm-hmm. And she really gets to have like that moment where she didn't do the right thing. She made the wrong sh- call. She screamed at her kid. That was the wrong call. And also, she's going to make it right. She's also probably grieving her husband silently because and her never... daughter. And her daughter, who, do they say how she dies? They don't say how she dies, just that she she's probably dead just and no like, one really she knows died. about it. Right. Tuberculosis, um, we'll assume. Yeah, she's struggling with raising him, and also there's the added thing of, like, unfortunately she, because, like, she's in such a precarious situation that's also not comparable to, like, children right now who are, like, steeped in, in like, white supremacy, because often their parents are also, like, white supremacists, but, like, she has to send JoJo to Hitler Youth, uh, yeah. because if she didn't, that would be even more of, like, a red flag that something was going on with her and that she was also a part of the resistance. So she has to send him. And so she has to be, like, she can't alienate him at home because if she does, he will seek community in Hitler Youth. Yeah. More so. Yeah. Even though she's dealing with so much shit. Rosie's, like, a killer. Go her. Yeah, she's good. She's a good character and i love the shoe motif at the end elsa gets the shoes that's yeah jojo learned how to tie her shoes because it was never really about her shoes it was about racism (laughs) it wasn't about the shoes it was about growing up it was about growing up there we go we made yeah listen just like the movie we figured out we, we figured up. it out. As we, we have recorded this episode three times. Three times. We have grown up, and and unfortunately, you'll never see act one and two of the movie. That's You'll fine. only see at, us at our most ideal and perfect selves. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. The soundtrack of this film is perfect. It does a great job of balancing, like, songs in German and then, like, songs in English. Every single song slaps. I listen to this soundtrack like often. It's on my it's on my movie soundtrack playlist. So we spent a lot of time on bitch how, but I'm really proud of us. Yeah, we didn't even yell at each other. Not once. Not this once is did dig. we yell. This, this is movie sick. has caused all of the major conflicts in our friendship of 2020. Yeah, which fully. is surprising because we've been starting a podcast. Like that's a lot of work. A little dive into our friendship history. The first year we knew each other. We would get into fights all the time. Constantly. Constantly fighting um, over, like, projects and stuff. And the fact that we both wanted to start uh, our own project together outside of, like, NYU is crazy. It's a miracle. It is a miracle. But we are doing it. Um, yeah. So, and that is on badass. growth. That's that on is on growth. growth. That's on character development love. <laughs> okay. Should we get into bitch time? It's bitch time. So this is our three minutes, Gaia has a timer, three minutes of unfiltered, unimportant, bitching sentiments, everything we want to say. We're not going to be smart. And if we start to be smart, then we have to stop being smart. We have to stop being smart. Ready, set, go. Okay, well, like, fuck Rebel Wilson. Fuck Rebel Wilson. (laughs) Uh, Fuck Scarlett Johansson, too. Fuck her as a person. 
I, I love want, Yorkie. I want to squish his cheeks. I, I love him so much. And I really don't like the one fat joke that they do yeah. onto him. And it's not Two fair fat jokes in the whole movie. Two fat jokes. And he like, but that little kid has the best comedic timing. And I would not be surprised if in like 10 years, he is like a great comedy star. He's such a he sweetheart. Is. I hope so too. And uh what's his name roman what's yeah his... I, roman deserved an oscar nod this is like a hot yeah. take roman deserved an oscar nod though for sure he's he killed brilliant it. he, he was amazing that whole movie i like i think he the the ability like he has to hold attention i i just think like he's brilliant he's so good give him a little oscar nod um um, I hope him and Yorkie, I hope Roman and the guy who plays Yorkie, I hope they get to hang out with the Stranger Kids, Stranger Things kids. kids the Stranger Kids that, kids. The Stranger Kids kids. The Stranger Kids <laughs> things. Um, the Stranger <laughs> Things kids. And that those kids do, aren't mean to them and exclusive. I hope they all get, I hope they sit together at lunch. I hope <laughs> that, like, that they're not, like, the, like, like, uncool kids of, like, the famous <laughs> kids. <laughs> <laughs> I feel like being a famous I feel like being a child actor now there's such a higher caliber of of child acting we have now like it used to just be like you have to be cute and now they're like incredibly talented but have you seen Stand By Me they're good in Stand By Me no they're really good in Stand By, Stand By Me was an outlier though and now it's an outlier and should not be counted it had River yeah, Phoenix in it it had River Phoenix oh my god River <sighs> Phoenix um, to River Phoenix R.I.P. um but yeah, now but now being a good child actor is like required. <laughs> yeah. I'm proud of um, Taika. I think yeah, Taika's amazing. Uh we love him. Don't watch this movie illegally. Like give Taika money. Yeah, don't <laughs> Sorry, watch Gaia. this movie illegally. <laughs> you might get a piñata at inopportune moments. Yeah, ignore the like don't get the piñata and also no give pinata. Taika money. I'm so give proud Taika of him. I want to dress Maori... like Taika. What? I want to dress like Taika. Oh, like oh, just like his style, yeah. Yeah, his clothes are yeah. cool. He's the, the first, first Maori indigenous person, first Maori Jewish person to win an Oscar. I also do love his speech where he like acknowledged the land they were on. Yeah, yeah. King. really, really king shit of him. Yeah, king shit. So oh, wow, cool. do we have? I have. It's because we accidentally mixed in all of our unintelligence with our intelligence. It's so fine. it's like tainted now. Yeah, I what I think we needed this though. Yeah. I I think we needed this to happen. The release. The way it did. Yeah. Yeah. We come Our friends full are going to circle. Be... <laughs> Our friend group is going to be so disappointed that they don't get to hear us yelling at each other. Yeah, they've been asking for the footage. <laughs> the the audio. The audio. <laughs> That's like okay. really not what footage means. No. That was bitch time. That was bitch time. Let's do our Harry Potter episode for some actual bitching. Episodes. It's time for Bitch Why. Um, The the time where we get to talk about the impact and the why and why was this made and what's it going to do for the world or to the world. A one adapted screenplay. We talked about that in bitch time. Bitch um, time. With with uh, Taika being able to work off of the financial gain and clout from that Academy Award. I think that's great for him. I love everything he's made. So the fact that he'll just get to keep making movies is dope. Um, I don't know in terms of like 
I think for us, this movie will be really significant, but I do know from, like, listening to so many other podcasts about this movie and, like, reading about it, that it did have that, like, kind of, yeah, mixed reviews geared towards positive, and the current moment we're in, I don't know what the the impact of this movie will be until we kind of are in a world that's less divisive. Yeah, I don't... It's almost, it's, like, weird to talk about, like, the impact of a movie like this right now when it feels like, first of all, movie theaters aren't open. I feel like I haven't seen a movie in so long, mm-hmm. like, that wasn't for us reviewing this. What the um, last thing we saw was Little Women, right? Oh, uh, which in was theaters? beautiful. That's the and last that man talked to together. us about Saoirse Ronan on the streets. Yeah, that was so weird. What did we'll he We'll save say? that for our little, okay, I don't know, we'll but he, he followed us for a while. Like, it feels, like, so strange to be like, what is this movie going to mean for people? Because I think the people who already understand it um, aren't watching movies and are, like, busy doing shit. And then, yeah. like, the people who need it aren't in, like, I don't think anyone's in, like, a learning place who, like, really needs this movie. Like, I think one thing that I hate about our world is that it's not, it's not great for learning. Like, I don't, I don't think there's very much that exists right now that's, like, encouraging people to, like, self-reflect, especially people on the right to self-reflect. Um, like, there, there, there's a lot on the left encouraging self-reflection, but oh, right. You have all these moderates and, like, these left-leaning people that are reckoning with the ways they've been complicit in racism and yeah. working towards being anti-racist. But those are not the people this movie is for. And the people who are moderate and left-leaning will see this movie and maybe, like, kind of that's feel the thing. Like, yeah, feel like, it's like pat yourself on the back. Feel kind like, of squishy. Yeah, like, oh, I, I'm good, I'm fine. And, and it's unfortunate that this movie, either because of the way it was marketed, the world we live in now, it wasn't on their radar. They, I don't know if they would see themselves in it. Yeah. Because we talked about, like, JoJo being a cute, sweet little baby boy. Baby. And I don't know. Yeah, I, on the whole, I hope that, like, I hope we're in a better world where, like, when our if we choose to have children whether or not we decide that that's an ethical thing to do is it ethical to have is children? it ethical to have children when our world is on fire um i do think that it's a movie i would show my kids i would show my kids um, this movie for sure which also like makes me ask the question like who is this movie for you know what i was just thinking about um so so i i think one thing that resonated with me about this movie and I think part of the reason I, like, loved it so much and it, like, really hit, like, like you and I talk a lot in our individual lives about how for you this movie is an 8 and for me this movie is a 10 and that's okay. Yeah. yeah. Um, and I think part of that is because I've known so many people who I've had to come, cl- had to become close to, like, due to circumstances in my life that were JoJo, that were, like kind of like on the brink and I was like just white enough that they could talk to me but like just (laughs) gay enough that they like couldn't listen to me right um and and when I watch this movie I see those people and it makes 
my like heart like scream out for them like I wish that this movie could be for them I want them to see this movie and feel this movie and and so I think that's one of the things I like love about this movie because it hit that part in me but then I think something I might have to admit about this movie is I don't know if those guys are ever going to be able to see it and see themselves and like feel that like screaming for sure. Yeah, exactly. And I think I had a friend right when the protests got super big. My friend from high school, she was posting about all these people from our high school who used to call her a terrorist. Um, She's Middle Eastern. And like it like threw me back into middle school and high school where like, w- like I didn't know that they were bullying her in that way also because like I would get a lot of comments that of that too um which is like that's a whole other conversation but I yeah I on her face and my face is a descriptor that they would use like or a way that they would use to oppress us and there was never a place where I could have like been the person like hearing what they're saying like I was I'm not white so I couldn't be in those spaces where they felt like they could talk to me um, and rather they were just looking at me and seeing someone different. And there was never, I had to take a more of like a separate, or like a separatist approach, but approach of like, I'm not going to change these people. I f- cannot because I am the, I am the thing that they see as a problem and I have no in with them. Yeah. I mean, I was just, we just have different experiences with those types of people and there was never a place of like wishing i mean i i'm sure that i hope that they change but i think i was just like growing up in a space where i was like if they do it's not my job yeah i think it like it like that's on um activism meaning different things for different people mm-hmm. what i love about this movie that like I think is universal that I think is important to everyone who watches it is like what we were talking about earlier about how like you as a human can hold so many things inside of you like Mm -hmm. and that is like what I would want like children in my life to see children in the world to see um and and I think that's profound and beautiful um but also like I think it also speaks to, like, something that I, like, my irrational wish for all the people who have hurt me to become better people. Yeah. Um, which, I don't know, we're being really cynical. Maybe one day they will. I hope they will. I just, I think it's, like, the world we're living in where, like, if I am on the left and I want people to have freedom to have uh like an abortion if they need it or like to not be discriminated against in the workplace people on the right almost have to take the opposite side because we have this system where like we can never agree because if we do there's like pride in there and we can't like admit that like someone else could be correct um unfortunately and so and so now it's just we're in a place where like whatever I think, they, they go, okay, great, well, I'm the opposite. And it's like, how are we ever, how are we ever going to get to a place where people like that, the people that have hurt you and the people who have hurt me, 
uh, would sit down and watch this movie and go, I get it. Okay. And be like, oh yeah, like I can love people the way this little boy loves people. Exactly. I also like something that I learned from having all those conversations with all those people who were really awful is ironically that I can't have those conversations anymore. And that like, like putting myself in the space where like those people like spoke with me and like learned from me was not like good for me. And so they will never know. Or if they do, you'll never know. Yeah. And it's like, like we both had to learn it's not your job in a different way. Yeah. Um, Whew, and on that. That was sad. See, that was us sharing trauma in a fun way where we're we not did yelling it. at each other. No. And I, I really, I love you so much. I'm I so glad you we did this. Yeah. <laughs> Aw. Uh, Let's get okay. matching tattoos of the We're going, okay, say the quote, say the quote, because <gasps> I think this, this isn't is the why. perfect time. This, this is, is the perfect, perfect time. time for the Rilke quote. <laughs> because you know what this movie, this quote um, really, like, encapsulates the movie, but it also encapsulates that conversation we just had about, like, encountering these people and, like, not knowing what our place is in the world. Right. I think this is this quote and, like, that message of like of like continuing on is what the world needs right now exactly um so the quote the rilke quote which plays on the screen at the end of this movie is let everything happen to you beauty and terror just keep going no feeling is final that's what that's what we need that's what i need like i just reread that quote for the first time in a while and it like felt like like, we were just talking about how hard it is to, to, like, be a part of the world. And that quote makes me feel like I can, like, be part of the world. <laughs> and that's the end of the movie. Because even though we had all these conversations about, like, what this movie is doing, it gets to that place where they're dancing in the street. And it's like, yes, we have so much more to do. And, like, things are going to go on. And, and like... David Bowie will record his Berlin trilogy. Like, the world will move past this point in time, just like the world will move past this point in time we're living in right now. But we have to keep going. And, yeah, these feelings aren't final. That hits. That's... You get this movie. (laughs) I've never thought about that, of, like, how much more is left. Yeah. Gaia! You're right. (laughs) Right? Ethan and I are getting that quote tattooed. In each other's handwriting. And it's going to be very sexy of us. Oh. And I'm going to look at it and cry every time I see it. Must a movie have profound meaning that breaks barriers of ideological walls that seem insurmountable? Is it not enough to have love big? I think, well, I think that's where I was coming from, right? Because I thought that this movie is going to, like, do something interesting and, like, by dismantling fascism or something. But, like, fuck that, I guess. I don't, I will go watch the producers. Like, I, (laughs) I love this movie in that it can make me feel like the world is not terrible permanently. So this movie is not for dismantling fascism. It's for um, having the film equivalent of a big hug 
but like a tight hug. And understanding like, that like you're not gonna fix everything by yourself. Yeah, that's it. That's what this movie's about. All right, let's get All to right. the bitch meter. The bitch meter is where we rate the movie in terms of representation um, and and whether or not it like deals with the things that it in- incorporates into the film. We have category. We have six categories, uh, queer representation, gender, race, disability, body positivity and class. Uh, it's out. It's scored out of 10. Just trust us. We did the math so you don't have to. Uh, Gaia, do you want to talk about queerness? All right, this movie gets a three on queer. We talked about this a lot. Yeah. Gay Nazi syndrome. Is it a good thing? Is it a bad thing? We landed on, it gets a three We because it's there and it's interesting. It's kind of like the three was like the halfway point between our like thoughts on it. Yeah, because I think I was having the like, this idea of passing, this idea of like, does him being gay forgive him being a Nazi? Like, it's it's not dealt with to the extent at which I think you would have to if you incorporate like if this was a story only about a gay nazi it would need to do way more but because it's not i think a three is like perfect it gets a three it It would have been a a 2.5 but i said that one shot with the with the pink triangles really hit and so it's a three Yes, agreed. Talk to me about gender. Gender, it gets a five. I think the gender distribution is almost equal. And then we have that lovely conversation that Scarlett Johansson's character, Rosie, has with Elsa about womanhood and, like, what it means to be a woman and, like, what it means to be alive. And Elsa is the movie. Like, it's about her. It's Yes, it's about JoJo, but it's really, like, it is about her. And she gets to be fully a person and she doesn't have to be the what is the the what the complex oh the goyam savior the goyam savior yeah like jojo would be the goyam savior and she would be the wallpaper she's not set dressing she's a person so he's delightful we we love that yes the race gets not applicable because it takes place in nazi germany but it gets a plus one because taika waititi man of color plays hitler um, yeah, and that's amazing. great. And that's all we have to say. Um, for disability, it's an NA, but we took away a point because because Jojo uh has an injury at the beginning of the movie. He accidentally blows himself up. Uh, and then for like almost the entirety of the movie afterwards, he calls himself. He has like some some very mild scarring. Um, and he often refers himself refers to himself as a cripple. Uh, Elsa calls him Frankenstein. Uh, like everyone's being horribly mean to him about his face. Like even his mom says something. And I'm sure that if you were actually a person who had like a physical, like a uh, a physical deformity of that way, it would probably be very hurtful to watch uh these actors make fun of this kid who has like all, like literally like very mild facial scarring. And then also he uh can't walk for a little bit and they do show him struggling with that and then by the end of the movie because like a year has passed it's like gone but it's not it's we just took a point away for like that yeah it's like kind of weird because like in some ways it feels like the like like injury is like a joke because like how he got the injury was is a joke yeah threw a grenade and ran after it and then the grenade bounced back and hit him 
and yeah. like it's a goofy like moment um but then like i don't know like the in our notes i wrote does this movie have things to say about ability and i don't think it does no it's just confusing exactly for body positivity uh, we said not applicable but also minus one because t- two fat jokes yeah to just take it away oh Rebel Wilson, stay in 2011. For class, we also put N.A. I think it's a little confusing. We don't really know what JoJo's mom does. Uh, and there are moments where, like, after she dies, he is, like, s- scavenging for food. But th- there's not enough about class in this movie. It feels like in the village, everyone's on the same playing field. So we just kind of didn't assess it. Does that mean it did bad with class? Should, should we have taken away a point because it it doesn't talk about class? I don't know. I don't want to redo the math. So I don't want to redo the math. Take away so a let's... point at this point. <laughs> but <laughs> um, I'm gonna say no because the movie just didn't. It just didn't. yeah, it just didn't it touch didn't. it. Didn't. There's never. There's not even an explicit line that's anything about their financial situation. So we're gonna. They seem to be comfortable. So let's just leave it at that. Drum roll for the final score. <laughs> So the final score is a 7 out of 10 on the bitch meter. That's beautiful. Which That's is almost great. exactly the critical consensus. And again, um, the bitch meter doesn't assess quality. It just ap- assesses representation. And, and how it's dealt with. And yes. how it's dealt with. Which a lot of time correlates with quality. Exactly. Um, correlate, it correlates with quality, quality, but doesn't necessarily cause quality. Mmm. Yes. Wow. Wow. Uh, My brain is enormous. Amazing. Now it's time for Harris's hot take. Harris, we're calling you to have you do the bit. <laughs> Give us your 10 second hot take on Jojo Rabbit. Uh, I, re- I remember watching it with you and your father and your siblings and remembering that I had, uh, well, figuring out that I had trauma relating to the Holocaust as a gay Jewish man sexy all right that was all we needed you for thank you well thank you have a good one love you i love you harris harris says nice seeing you hi harris oh man that was was fun that was Um, so fun wow harris thanks for that hot take that was so wonderful All right, it's this. This is the end. We have to. We have got to wrap this. We gotta up. wrap this up. That was heavy. That was. What a lot. are you? Let's talk about what we were working on. What are you working on right now, Nita? Gaia, I'm working on this podcast. <laughs> I mean, yeah, <laughs> I'm truly, truly like same. <laughs> uh, that's it. I'm. We're working on. I mean, I'm not gonna speak for what you're working on this week, but like the podcast, like all of the social media stuff. Um, figuring out like how we're gonna make this a thing for however long we do it for. Like, that's you're gonna hear it, us so soon. You're gonna hear us so soon. We're we're hot. Let's. It's all happening. Um, and that's kind of like been the only thing on my brain. And then I like finished reading Harry Potter a few days ago. So like that's we did that. Um, for the podcast. For the podcast, I will say this is just like a like a side thing, but like I think being on Zoom for so many hours, my brain was so happy to read a book or and to read seven books in seven days. My brain was like <gasps> pages and not a screen, and I like just got to curl up with those books so that was and that's not a working on thing that was just like a nice 
break. You read seven books in seven days. You read I read seven, seven books, books in, in 20, 20 hours. hours and 33 minutes. Which is the difference we between us. We are not us. the same. We're not the same. And that's fine. I'm okay. I didn't have what's to read. The, what's the meme? Um, your man reads seven books in seven days. The the man she told you not to worry about <laughs> you, reads seven books in 20 hours and We are not the minutes. same. We are not the same. You put, you matched two different memes together. Oh, that's oh. no, that's so good. I'm so Cross proud of textual. that. Wait, Cross what's t- the intertextual <laughs> meme image? <laughs> okay, yeah, amazing. I Gaia, mean, what are you working on? My book club went out this week. We read How to Be an Anti Racist, it was really delightful. Um, I am working on learning things, I'm working on reading more nonfiction books that are like, um that are about like the world and like how we got here and like the systems and structures that make the world bad and um i've got a book club for it maybe if you wanted to come visit it you definitely could i'm doing like the tiktok like simping like oh my god be like do you like if you if you were to like if you're like to come that would be like so cool um um (laughs) but now we're reading the house race built um and i'm really happy about it I'm, I'm excited. Time. I love I love the entire book list you put together. I'm really excited to talk about like imperialism uh and the books on that and the books about like Asian American history. I am very excited. We've got like a huge diet. I'm like I'm excited about everything we're reading. I think there's some really cool stuff about climate change on there mm-hmm. um that I'm really like hype about. Also uh prisons really Really excited to learn more about the prison industrial complex. The prison complex. industrial complex. Okay. The prison <laughs> industrial complex. The prison, in, prison is modern day slavery. Okay. This is the ending. This is where we plug all our shit. Yeah. Yes. You can follow me on Instagram at Gaia Rose River. You can follow me on Twitter and Instagram at Nitha underscore Thadani, T-H-A-D-A-N-I. You can follow the Bitch Why Podcast on Twitter at Bitch Why Podcast, Instagram at Bitch Why Podcast, and you can email at us, email at us, you can email us at b.tchy at gmail.com. Please leave a review and rate us on iTunes when we figure out how to get this podcast on iTunes. We figured it out! We did, actually! We figured it out! All of the resources referenced will be in the show notes. Thank you to our editor and co-producer Cameron and our graphic designer Jillian! Legends. All right. Bye, bitches! Bye!